Hey everybody, welcome back to One Simple Question. This is the show that usually asks a basic, everyday question of a person that then delves into their unique and decidedly non-basic answer. So we're here, again, the end of another season, but somehow still not done with the pandemic that we fell into in the middle of the last one. When I ended the first season, I thought that surely the second one would be when things were back to normal. But kind of like someone who forgot their glasses while playing catch, I did not see that coming. So to continue on the tradition of the finale of a season, I decided to answer some questions for my guests. I had seven really thoughtful and not so simple questions to tackle, so let's get to it. Our first question comes from Amelia Kalman. The Futurist from episode 11 of this season. My question to you is in regards to the future. The future is something I spend a lot of time thinking about, and there's a lot of challenges that are presenting themselves, um, things like climate change and inequality. And I just wanted to know your opinion on what you think uh, the biggest challenges we have to face in the future are, and maybe a bit about your hopes for the future as well. That's two really deep questions from Amelia, so I'll start with the harder one first. What are our challenges for the future? I can say a lot here, like the rise of nationalism, the climate crisis, inequality, and they're all really valid. But as I thought of this question, I tried to find a sense of the underlying issue behind them all. Why are nationalists more emboldened? How can the climate just be deteriorating more and more? And why is there such a gap in our society? The answer seems weirdly obvious to me now, and it's selfish. That's the answer. I don't mean that necessarily in an individual nature, but I mean it in a collective one. Everywhere we look, Decisions are being made in a truly selfish manner, and it plagues all the aspects of our lives. At least, I think so. But what is the collective self? I mean, surely all of us humans are meant to be a collective self, right? This is the second bit that dawned on me, and it's the arbitrary lines that we've created between us. The borders, the differences, whatever. It's what, to me, helps draw out that selfishness. Now on the second bit, the hope for the future. Don't worry, it's not so dire. And I'm going to say this knowing full well how insane it sounds, but it's the collectivism of the younger generations that will hopefully save us. I know I'm saying that Gen Z and millennials will save us, which to any older listener does sound a bit wild, but hear me out. The lack of connectivity in our past, the sense of mine and yours, has created our level of selfishness that exists in the world today. But these new, connected, and truly global generations have the fortune of not caring about things like borders and national identities quite as much, because since they were young, they've been connected to so many other experiences. So it's my hope, truly, that we find a way to embrace the youthful ideal of younger generations and realize that we're humankind and not... British kind, or American kind, or Indian kind, or anything like that. So we got serious really quick. I'll now hopefully lighten the mood with our next question. This question comes from Gordon Hall, our ex-evangelical friend from episode 13. 
Hey, Sheikh, it's Gordon. Firstly, thank you so much for having me on your show and allowing me to share my story with your listeners. Um, I hope you enjoyed coming on our show, Liminal Podcast, as well, and sharing your story. It was an absolute pleasure to hear it, and I hope we can connect again soon. My question to you today, it's a little bit of a silly one, but I hope you'll forgive me. Um, I just want to know about the hardest time that you've ever laughed, whether that's a time when you laughed inappropriately at a situation that you weren't meant to, whether that's like a funeral or the minute silence during the Remembrance Day parade, um, or whether it's um, just a, a really funny experience that you've had. I just want to know about the, the hardest that you've ever laughed. Thank you. Great question, Gordon. It actually stumped me for a bit because I honestly couldn't remember. That does sound sad. I can remember laughing, obviously. I'm not, you know, dead inside, pandemic notwithstanding. What I meant to say is that as an adult, I think the laughs are less intense for some reason. Maybe because more occupies my mind on a daily basis, or maybe I'm just souring with old age. Anyways, to answer your question, it was with one of my best friends, a gentleman named Uncor, and we were kids living in Ohio. I was visiting his house for a classic childhood sleepover, and we somehow stumbled upon Robin Williams' Live on Broadway set from 2002. There's a moment, I think it's where he's talking about PEDs in the Olympics, where we both just lost it. I remember this vividly because I actually didn't remember the next joke when we continued on. We hadn't paused the show, we were just rolling around on the grounds, clutching our stomachs, unable to speak to each other. It's one of my favorite memories. I love just trying to remember it now because it brought me back to a simpler time, though I guess it all seemed really complicated back then anyways. Okay, on to my next question from Mandy Jones, our Welsh cruise director from episode 14. Hey, so firstly, I want to congratulate you on your recent engagement with your gorgeous fiancé, Lauren. And secondly, thank you for letting me ask you a question. So I want to know who has been the most influential person in your life and why? And going forward with your next season, how do you hope to impact your audience? Before I start to answer this, yes, I got engaged. That was some big news from our current pandemic and lockdown. I managed to surprise my fiancé with whatever means I could think of at the time. So it wasn't big or flashy, but thankfully she said yes, and we're both so excited. Now, on to the question for my most influential person. It's a bit of a cliche answer, but that doesn't really matter to me. I'd have to say that my father is the most influential person in my life. I say that knowing full well that there's that old trope of my dad is my hero, and I won't go into the specific details of why, because I'm sure we'd be here for much longer. But let me just give you one anecdote. My dad was born in India, in Jaipur in the late 40s. He came from a very religious family, and to this day is a practicing Hindu. Instead of taking his religion for granted, and just popping all these rituals into his life without knowing the meaning, he went a different way. He read. In fact, he read a lot. He expanded his knowledge and put together a reasoning for his belief. Now, he never has shared with me about how much he might have been challenged in all this, but he stuck to his guns and has had thoughtful answers behind the everlasting question of why. I cite this as a unique characteristic of my dad, and to be honest, it's so minor compared to the other stuff that he's done for his family, but the detail of it always brings me joy. He was a guy who could have rested on a simple tradition, but had to know more and was really curious. 
that curiosity is endearing because it meant that he could tell his kids why he chose to do something and how it got him to where he is, rather than the usual first-generation method of throwing your old country's tidbits at your kids and being annoyed when they don't take it on with the same vigor. And to answer Mandy's second question, I honestly don't know. I really wish I had a better answer, but I think I just need to see what the next year brings. I'll touch upon this later in the episode, but one thing I've noticed is that this year has brought a lot of the world to our doorsteps, in fact, into our homes. So if I get a chance to continue meeting all these amazing people and asking them all these simple questions, I hope I can just help them tell their stories so that more people get to experience them. As for the impact to the audience, I think we have to just keep going the way we're going and just hope that people want to listen to what other people have been going through. Time to hear from Dustin Miller from the Polymath Polycast and episode 8. Hey Shakes, you wanted me to send in a question for the finale of the season and I think it's a great idea. I wanted to make it based off of the episode that I had on your show as well as when you came on my show. So taken after this idea of becoming a polymath, When we talked, you definitely had a very divergent interest pool from data science to mixology and creating content. And I wondered, have you pursued your polymathic tendencies over your recent life? Thanks, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Ever the optimist, Dustin's question reminded me that in this pandemic, I certainly have not lived up to the title of polymath. Yes, I did try to make sourdough and I have definitely cooked more things from scratch I even attempted to learn how to nap at one point because, weirdly, I'm a terrible napper. But I wish I could just say that I was more thoughtful with my time, delving into new books and learning new skills and writing down all the things I wanted to write down. But, alas, I didn't really utilize this pandemic to expand any tendencies that one might call polymathic. That said, as prefaced before by Mandy, I think I have spent this time in a very useful manner. Meeting my now fiance at the start of 2020 and endeavoring to make this relationship something special. So, with all that energy that, if I had been alone, I might have spent on creative endeavors, I instead, more wisely, I might add, spent them learning a lot about a person and learning how to fall in love again. So, maybe that is some new skill set I learned? I'll let you be the judge of that. And now, a question from Danielle Sullivan the neurodiverse guest from the last interview of the season. Hey, what was the most challenging interview that you did this season, and why was it hard? This year was definitely a weird one. I took extra pains in this podcast to tackle some of the more pressing issues in the world with these interviews. From illegal immigration, police brutality, the war in Yemen, a pandemic, the toxicity of social media... A lot of the guests this year brought very heavy topics, but two of them stuck out for me. The first was, in fact, Danielle's, and no, I'm not just paying her lip service with this. I honestly had not had enough opportunities in life to speak to people who considered themselves neurodiverse, and the language that I was brought up with is probably out of date and maybe even offensive now. So when I spoke to her, I had a stereotype in my head that I was trying to shake. Danielle helped me get there but it was tough, and I think that even in my recording, my discomfort shows. 
The second was Nat Rich, and that's from episode 9, where we covered the Me Too movement and her experience. This interview was really tricky because I knew I had to tread incredibly carefully. Nat is so open and easy to speak with on the subject, but that didn't mean that we could just be cavalier. Luckily, she and I worked hard on finding the right balance together, so her story came out and I just acted as a series of guideposts for it. It worried me as far as a topic, because I wanted it to be less about me, but as a man reporting on a Me Too story, a lot of minds can immediately think that I had some sort of sinister agenda. And for our next question, let's hear from the aforementioned Nat Rich. Abhishek, it was great to be on your show. I enjoyed talking to you. So here's my question for you. What do you think us human beings need to do to change the situation that we're in? How do we find our freedom again? How do we get out of this situation? What steps do we need to take to change the narrative and to make it a better world for all? This is a tough one because I don't know if I have any answer that is doable or perhaps as simple as I'd like. It's all so complex. This is a really strange world that we live in. We're locked indoors. Countries and capitals are regressing. Coups are taking place. Folks are fighting science. We live in this hyper-connected world. So maybe this is just a result of us knowing more about everything. Maybe we've always had these issues going on, but now there's a podcast or a blog or a post telling us about them in great detail. Anyways, the only answer I could really think of here is education. Let's cue the sigh from you and everybody else who's probably heard that before, but I'm going to stick with it. I truly think that the downfall of any society is a lack of real and true education. More so now, the ability to relearn, to be consumers of knowledge all the time and not just when we're young. Challenging the ideas that are outside of our echo chambers so that we form a more fully built feeling on what is actually going on. I realize that we all will still disagree on things, but at least we could do it in an informed manner and not just because somebody saw something posted on Facebook that one time. Then, who knows? Maybe we'll all feel okay with things like are not vaccine trials, liberal thought, cancel culture, taxes, and everything else. That's asking a lot of the world, so my advice here is simple. The next time you read something that has a very strong opinion that you seem to fully agree with, stop reading it. Go and find something else, maybe one that could be sharing a differing opinion, and read that too, and then see how you feel. I took this method on and had to thoughtfully unfollow certain folks on social media because I was just getting their opinions and not the facts with which I could create my own. I hope that answers the question. That was honestly a bit of a tough one for me. And now, the non-recorded questions that were sent in. The first one comes from Mullen Shaw in episode 5. He asked me what it was like to move from the US to the UK. I have answered this in various bits throughout the show and other podcasts that I have attended. I recommend, if you're up for it, listening to the Liminal podcast that Gordon Hall and his friend Joe Pearson host for a deeper take on this. But for now, I'll give you the quick answer, and that is that it wasn't that hard. Sure, there is a lot that's different. I'd never used the NHS before, I didn't know that Sunday night was not a time for grocery stores, and I wasn't aware that the word pants means underwear in some parts of the country. But it's not a hard place to live. 
I'm really blessed. And I think that the fear that a lot of people have when they move across countries is that it's going to be really different and therefore difficult. But different and difficult are two separate things. Yeah, moving here was a big change. But people don't give themselves enough credit for how adaptable they are. I'm not special, I think I just bit the bullet and acted a little rashly when I chose to move here. But truthfully, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And now, Lucas Cantor of episode 17 wants to know what book I recommend to anybody and everybody, and why. Lucas, that's an easy one. The book I would recommend is The Tao of Pooh by Benjamin Hoff. It's a quick and easy read, and it's probably the best use of the extra nutty time that this pandemic has given us. To give you context, it's a book about Taoism, which, yes, is an Eastern Asian philosophical school of thought. It's akin to Buddhism, but not exactly the same, though they do share many of the same principles. The book dives into some basic tenets of Taoism, like equilibrium and natural action, but then aligns them with the behaviors of Winnie the Pooh. Now, I know that's a leap to a lot of people, but it's amazingly well thought out in the book. It walks through the basic stories of Winnie the Pooh and his seemingly eccentric behavior, but when you put it into that greater context around a sense of freedom and calm and comfort with the state of things around you, it suddenly feels incredibly special. I don't think I'm doing a great job of explaining this book, so I would recommend a read. It's quick, it's easy, and it's an all-time favorite of mine. And now, we're finally here. The last question of the season, and it comes from Tom Lazenga, our anti-fragile enthusiast from episode 10. Tom would like to know, what philosophy or religious practices have I been practicing or curious about lately? Well, Tom, that's a great little cap to our last question of the Tao of Pooh. I guess recently I found some curiosity and solace in Eastern religions. Perhaps because I'm a practicing Hindu, they seemed pretty comfortable. Hinduism has been in my blood since I was a kid, but I've worked in and out of it at times. Now I feel like I'm melding it and Buddhism, and I find that that interests me most. A mindful sensation around living with rituals to keep me grounded. Don't know where to go from here, and I have a backlog of books that I need to read on the subject, but with an impending wedding and the delve into my current religion's customs, it's been a fun task. I'm learning a lot about all the bits that go into it, what we want to keep, what we want to remove, and it's been a nice way to form my own beliefs. In the end, I'm not really sure where it'll all land or what I will call myself, but at least I can say that there's some catalysts in my life that are helping me through it all. So that's it. That's the season. That was a lot of me talking, which I'm sure you're not so used to, but I think that this has been a wonderful season, and I'm incredibly happy that I got to do it, even in this pandemic. Moving forward, I'm not sure how the show is going to progress. I took a new job this year, and a lot of my focus has been spent elsewhere. That said, I am incredibly grateful that I've had the opportunity to speak to such great people and create meaningful episodes out of their conversations. I hope you all find them interesting as well. Thank you to all my guests this year, and to Amelia, Gordon, Mandy, Dustin, Danielle, Nat, Mullen, Lucas, and Tom for their thoughtful questions. Now, if you've made it this far, I have two things for you. One, another sincere thanks. Can't believe you listened to so much of me, but also importantly that you gave this a shot. The other is a small request. This show is just me. It's kind of a labor of love. And if you like it and you think it was fun or you enjoyed just a single episode, let me know. 
You can rate it on iTunes, you can leave a review, you can just send me a note, you can share it with friends, whatever you like. Check out onesimplequestion.co for more details on how to get in touch if you aren't sure. And if, in the end, anything we covered taught you something or helped you out at all, don't hesitate to share it. Be safe out there, and I'm sure I'll be back soon with more amazing stories, all stemming from one simple question.